among many touchy subjects for multinationals in the wide world of transfer pricing, country-by-country reports and the prospect of making them universally public very well might be the touchiest. Yes, as a matter of principle, transparency is a good thing. Corporations claiming they're acting responsibly should have to show their receipts, right? Sounds great. But then there's the very real and academically verifiable question, do country-by-country reports actually give the public meaningful insight into base erosion, tax havens, profit shifting? Or is this just yet another way to shake down MNEs in the name of transparency in obscure context to maximize tax revenues? Welcome, everyone, to The Fiona Show, Cross-Border Solutions Deep Dive Transfer Pricing Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew DeMello. And on today's show, we're joined by Peter Jansky, Associate Professor of Economics at Charles University in Prague, who has conducted extensive research into country-by-country reports and can cast meaningful light on these questions today with some rigorous follow-up from Cross Borders' own chief economist, Mimi Song. In speaking of being considered an indisputable authority in a profession that tends to conjure great controversy, you can earn CPE credits for listening to this podcast. Here's how it works. We're planting three CPE code words throughout the course of this show. Send all three to The Fiona Show at xbs.ai. Again, that's The Fiona Show at xbs.ai. Now let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. Greece's opening to vaccinated tourists isn't the only thing making headlines. So is the country's transfer pricing. The Greek Independent Authority for Public Revenues, or IAPR, recently issued a guidance addressing the COVID-19 pandemic. It closely aligns with the OECD guidance and addresses comparability analysis, government assistance programs, advanced pricing agreements, and how to report losses. Like many tax authorities, the IAPR is paying close attention to the use of government aid. Thanks to this thorough guidance, taxpayers won't be saying it's all Greek to me. Government assistance must be highlighted in transfer pricing documentation and analyzed in the comparability and functional analysis. As for intercompany agreements, the guidance notes that intergroup contractual obligations can be renegotiated thanks to force majeure, a clause that frees parties from liabilities if an unavoidable catastrophe occurs. You mean like a global pandemic? Bahrain has RSVP'd yes to country-by-country reports. Bahrain's Ministry of Industry, Commerce, and Tourism, or M-O-I-C-T, joined the OECD Inclusive Framework on BEPS back in 2018, but now the rubber really hits the road. The rules pertain to financial years beginning on or after January 1st, 2021, and must be filed by Bahrain resident entities with consolidated revenue of 342 million Bahraini dinar or 901 million U.S. dollars. The CBCR must be filed within 12 months of the group's financial year end. The constituent entity will also have to file a CBCR notification before the last day of the group's financial year, specifying if it's the ultimate parent entity. If it's not the ultimate parent, the notification must identify the reporting entity and its tax residents. Bahrain isn't kidding when it comes to compliance. Failure to submit or late submissions will cost you in more ways than one. Administrative penalties can reach as high as 100,000 Bahraini dinar or 264,000 U.S. dollars, along with suspension of commercial registration for six months. 
Luxembourg is on the move. The country is leading the crusade against non-cooperative jurisdictions, an effort that was recently solidified into law. The law restricts interest in royalties, tax deductions to associated enterprises in EU blacklist countries. The restriction can be waived, but requires proof that satisfactory economic benefit exists aside from the tax deduction. One more show and tell for the taxpayer. The new rules apply from March 1st, 2021, and will use the latest version of the blacklist as of January 1st of each year. Luxembourg's pioneering efforts are getting the attention they deserve. Other EU member states are considering similar measures of their own, given cash flow's important role during the pandemic. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai tpu. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode of The Fiona Show, we're looking at country-by-country country reporting how effective are CBCRs at actually preventing base erosion and profit shifting, and whether public reports actually stand to hurt analysis. We are here with Dr. Peter Jansky and Cross-Border Solutions Chief Economist Mimi Song, who's actually going to lead this discussion, and I'll hand things off to her right now. Mimi, you have the floor. Thank you, Matthew. So, Peter, it is a pleasure having you on the show. Am I pronouncing that correctly? That's one of the good forms. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay, great. Well, before we get started, just a couple of questions about yourself. Where are you currently and what's happening there on the COVID scene? I'm based at Charles University in Prague. And, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy that we are going to talk techs because that's uh, not necessarily a cheerful topic, but it's more cheerful topic than a COVID okay. uh, scene in Czechia. We're not doing good at all now, but hopefully by the time our listeners listen to this podcast, it will be better, but we are not doing well here. As large numbers as the neighboring uh, Germany, but they are eight times larger. Wow. I am sorry to hear that. Hopefully that'll start to decline. But on a positive note, you are actually a professor of economics at Charles University. And your research specifically lies with public finance, taxation, tax havens, international development. What initially drew you to economics and these topics? I think I was interested in big social topics and I thought that economics as one, one of the social scientists uh, brings something special with the combination of mathematics and technical skills often employed by economists. And, you know, that attracted me to economics. And uh, that's probably what's keeping me enjoying economics still. Excellent. And in your experience, what mistakes, or based on your research, I should say, what mistakes do you see multinational companies making repeatedly? 
I'm not sure I'm the person to judge the mistakes of multinational companies. But if you ask about my research, I'm looking into the corporate taxation by multinational corporations. And very often we observe that the multinational corporations are paying less and less in taxes as a, a proportion of, of their profits. And, you know, again, I'm not sure I would call it a mistake, but, you know, this is an obvious trend and it creates uh, some tensions for the tax system as a whole, but also perhaps uh, it creates an uneven level playing field in taxation of companies where, you know, domestic companies very often are taxed at a higher rate than uh, mm -hmm. these multinational corporations. And it has some other consequences. Multinational corporations seem to be benefiting from globalization. And at the same time, they seem to be or can be easily perceived to be exploiting globalization to pay lower taxes. You know, some multinational corporations, of course, not all, are using, for example, tax havens to reduce their tax burden. And that might make the corporate taxation inequitable and might be perceived as such by other taxpayers. And this can have even bigger effects than lower uh, government revenues. It's safe to say you're, you're following the OECD's policy work right now very closely in related to this, uh, the global taxation of the digital economy. That's right. Do you think it's moving in a good direction at this point? It is. It is. It's uh, promising in a, in a way. So I'm not super optimistic, you know, about the direction or whether it will reach the final destination. But it's exciting time to be interested in taxation of multinational corporations because there's a lot of happening and it's possible that the global tax reform will be agreed in forthcoming months. So I'm curious what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you find most interesting about transfer pricing? One little aspect of the whole international tax world, right? If one thing about transfer pricing, then that would need to be transfer mispricing. So how companies can manipulate transfer prices for tax avoidance. Interesting. Well, I think that's a good segue into talking about the topic of today, which is country by country reporting, right? So the CBC report, it's been a vital tool for tax transparency. How is it used and how do you think it helped pave the way for tax clarity? Well, let's uh, see. There's uh, not much we know about the effects of the specific country-by-country country reporting that probably you, you have in mind, those for large multinational corporations. Mm -hmm. So they reported the first data to tax authorities only for 2016. And, you know, the, the data that was uh, made public was only made public last year in July. So I understand that, you know, tax authorities might be taking their time to learn about BEPS risk assessments and high-level transfer pricing. So it might take still some time to see the results. I think that the OECD, right, or the CBCR report, the country-by-country country report, it was officially adopted on October 15, 2015, as part of Action 13. So can you give us all a quick refresher on, you know, the purpose of Action 13? What does it require? What was the objective behind the country-by-country country reporting? So this Action 13 requires all large multinational enterprises to prepare a country-by-country country report with aggregate data on the global allocation of income, profit, taxes paid, and economic activity among tax jurisdictions in which it operates. And this includes all the jurisdictions it operates in. So this might be 
low-income African countries, or these might be low-tax countries that, you know, for simplicity, we might label tax havens. And the intention of uh, this BEPS Action 13 was that these reports would be shared with tax administrations in the jurisdictions in which they are headquartered, but also the other jurisdiction in, in which they have economic activities. And these reports would then be used in a high-level transfer pricing analysis and other risk assessments. This has been the purpose. And, you know, as I briefly mentioned, multinational corporations were for the first time required to report this for year 2016. And for me as a researcher, what, what is interesting that some of this data has been shared publicly, although, you know, it, it's not its uh, initial original uh, purpose. But the uh, United States have shared already two years of data, and OECD shared for a number of other countries for uh, the first year, 2016. And in my research, I showed that this data can be useful to learn about the world. It can be useful to learn about activities uh, of multinational corporations, how they are active internationally, in which countries they report profits, in which countries they have their employees. and. They can also be used to look at where multinational corporations pay taxes and how their effective tax rates, for example, differ across countries. So as someone who is in economics and does a lot of research, so this data could be and will be very useful. I mean, right now we only have a couple of years of data or two or three, depending on which countries you're looking at, right? But First, just, you know, sort of a statistical question from your perspective, what would you think is an appropriate amount of time before this data becomes interpretable in some ways, right? Relevant. Timing, it could be relevant, you know, right away, but Mm -hmm. maybe you are hinting at that there are indeed problems with the quality of the data and with the difficulties when you want to make use of the data. So, for example... One specific issue with the data that, you know, not all uh, the income and activities are assigned to specific jurisdictions, but they're so-called stateless jurisdiction. And so, for example, when we do our analysis of research, we are dropping this uh, stateless category, although it's likely to include some profit shifting to the examens, most likely, but we, we can't tell from the existing data. As a researcher, this information must be extremely valuable, but... Do you think that tax authorities are using or are capable or will be able to use this data in meaningful ways? That's a very good question. And I understand that, you know, there there are other researchers doing some work in this area. Let me hypothesize that, you know, it's going to be more useful for those tax authorities that are better resourced and, you know, that have people who can devote their time to analyzing these reports. So I was involved in some discussions with the representatives from low-income African countries. And, you know, they were aware that, you know, with their limited resources, it's difficult to make effective use of these reports, even if they are shared with them by the cooperating tax authority in the headquarter country. So there's still a lot of resource constraints in terms of application or usage of this information, right? Yeah, that's like it. So I'm not doing research in that area, but I'm aware of that and the constraints are surely there for some countries at least. Well, let's focus back a little bit on this concept of of a public country by country report, right? 
especially within the EU and the US. So the EU just passed public country by country reports. What's the motivation behind publicizing these reports, right? Benefits, costs for businesses as well as tax administrations? That's a very good question. And it seems to be a mix of motivations. And there's a mix of evidence on benefits and costs for businesses and tax administrations. First, let me briefly discuss, you know, so far we've been focusing on CBCR by large uh, multinational corporations, but Mm -hmm. there have been other similar CBCR regulations for other groups of companies, specifically of note are two regulations, one for multinational corporations in extractive industries, and another one based in the EU for financial institutions, including banks. And from these reporting requirements, and both of these were from the beginning public CBCRs, we see some suggestive evidence that similar increases in transparency could lead to higher taxes paid by these companies affected by the transparency regulation by being required to publish a country-by-country reports. Mm-hmm. and also to lower use of, again, for simplicity, the havens. So there seem to be, from these previous regulations, some evidence that the benefits might lie in less aggressive tax planning and more tax revenues for the tax authorities. And there's also emerging evidence on this from the latest CBCR for large uh, multinational corporations. So there seem to be effects that since the companies are required to share these CBCR reports with tax authorities, they might be paying higher taxes and be making less use of tax havens. In terms of costs, let me make one observation. So in terms of costs for businesses, most of the costs in terms of preparing the reports seem to be already incurred by the companies because they need to, these, these companies need to prepare the reports to be shared with tax authorities. So that additional step that has been approved recently by the European Council has, you know, mostly, you know, these costs have already been incurred. So there might be some other costs with the publication, but they don't relate to the preparation of the reports themselves. In interrupting very quickly for our first CPE code word, and that code word is transparency. Very, very unrelated, I know. Again, that code word is transparency. Back to our conversation. I guess I was going to ask, you know, in terms of the benefit of potentially creating an environment where multinationals are going to engage in less aggressive tax planning, do you think that has to do with reputational risk and and the general public sentiment? I mean, Amazon was under a lot of heat when the big headline came out that Amazon has a 0% effective tax rate, right? Yeah, that certainly seems to be one of the channels of reputation, as you outlined. But what would be other business motivations then for less aggressive tax planning if we're talking about a public report, right? So you're asking what might be the other channels? Why would the publication of these reports would have positive effect? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you have investment funds mm-hmm. that are interested in the companies in which they are going to be investing in not using aggressive tax planning. And sometimes now it can be difficult to determine for these investment funds or you know, more generally investors whether any given company is engaging or not in aggressive tax planning. And so you know, this additional disclosure 
public country by country reporting can help these kind of stakeholders to decide whether the company fulfills their criteria or not. There's also additional benefit coming from these data if they are going to be published. That is in terms of research and not only academic research, but also applied research. So for example, as you and most of your listeners will know, there's an ongoing debate about global tax reform. Mm -hmm. And for these debates to be based on a good evidence basis, good data about multinational corporations are vital. And CBCR data seems to be one of the best resources about multinational corporations. So in case they can be used by researchers in academia or in public authorities, discussion of the global tax reform can be supported with this evidence, then you know, I see that maybe not the biggest benefit, but certainly a benefit. One other benefit, why it might be good to publish these reports, is for academic researchers to learn about the real world and share this with the rest of the world, let's say, but also for citizens and civil society to learn about the activities of uh, multinational corporations. So I understand that people's views will differ in how much weight we want to put on these benefits, but I would consider them benefits. Right. Well, creating some sort of transparency and even educating the public mindset. Right. That's right. That's right. This is really big and it, it does not deal with uh, multinational corporations only. It's also, you know, n- normal companies active and uh, how much information, how much disclosure we expect from them. So, for example, we, we have this ongoing debate in Czechia where, where I'm based. What exact information should every company be sharing publicly? And uh, what we are discussing here with the public country-by-country reporting is a global debate on the same topic for one specific important type of companies, and that is multinational corporations. You know, I feel like the idea, it sounds like there are some clear benefits here, right? And I think that that's fantastic. But, you know, because we're talking about data and just certain quantitative data points in this situation... Clearly, I think that that data could be misinterpreted if it's not analyzed properly, right? So is that potentially a, a challenge? Yes, it is a challenge. And I think you, you need to do a lot of work to interpret the data properly. And you need a mix of expertise. So, so myself, I'm an economist, but more often than not, I'm not alone, you know, able to make sense of specific country-by-country reports without making mistakes. And so it's good to work in teams of experts. And so, for example, we have accountants and data scientists in the team, lawyers. Together, we can interpret the reports much more carefully. Right. So the way that it's presented to the public, I mean, I think that that's that's going to be part of the challenge and the cost of for a multinational, right? Because now we have to interpret this data for the general public, right? In order for it to be understood properly, especially for the typical citizen within a nation that may not have the educational background to be able to understand the meaning of the data and what, what the implications of that, right? Yes, yes. I think, you know, it can be a shared responsibility, you know, depending also on the resources and preferences. So, for example, yes, it can be the job of multinational corporations themselves 
to explain their report. And you know, I can see some multinational corporations trying to explain the, themselves through the reports. So several multinational corporations decided that they will publish their country-by-country country reporting data, which they don't need to under the current regulation, but they decided to do so and I think, you know, invested into communicating this in some cases, you know, in better or worse way, but, but I think this is, you know, great uh, contribution from these companies to this uh, conversation. But it's also, I think, partly on us as researchers, on public authorities, and maybe also on civil society organizations to kind of, you know, engage in this explanatory exercise. Right. I mean, I think since we're talking about, you know, multinationals going public, let's bring up Shell, right? Because in 2019, Shell actually was one of the first companies to publicly release its country-by-country report, right, for 2018. So it wasn't mandated at the time, right? So the question I'd like to pose to you is, what do you think would motivate a company like Shell to do that? And how do you think that other MEs, you know, were feeling about this move by Shell, right? It's a seriously bold move to make this information publicly available. So what do you think the general multinational sentiment was around that? Thank you. As you probably understand, I can't speak for multinational corporations, but I surely welcome uh, the move of Shell and other companies to publish their country-by-country reports. In fact, me and my colleagues are doing research using these reports by Shell and other companies. Mm-hmm. We've collected data from 10 companies. We don't know of any more than these 10 companies that we're using in this research, and we are analyzing them. And perhaps you know, from the results, we can also learn about some potential motivations or characteristics of these companies. So these 10 multinational corporations, these include Shell that you mentioned, but also Vodafone, Shell, or Rio Tinto. Half of the companies are in the extractive industries. In extractive industries, as we know from you know, existing research, the tax payments to governments are relatively high, at least in comparison with other industries. So that might be one of the motivation for these companies to lead by example and publish their CBCR data for for the public. It's also, you know, uh, in in the research, which is uh, joint work with Oliver Baron, uh, Tommaso Faccio, and Sarah Godard, we compare these 10 companies' results with the data released by OECD for all large uh, multinational corporations. And we observe that not only these companies on average pay higher taxes, they also are less active in countries considered as tax havens. And interrupting once again, very, very briefly for our second CPE code word, and that code word is haven, a synonym for a sanctuary for potentially innocent people doing innocent things who just might need protection from an unjust authority. Again, that CPE code word is haven, totally unrelated. Anyway, back to our conversation. So these companies that have decided to voluntarily publish their country-by-country reports are different. And from the point of view of corporate tax avoidance, seem to be behaving better than rest of the multinational corporations. So do you think that they basically are the good kids in class that be, that are raising their hands and be like, hey, I did my homework, right? 
I did it yeah, the right yeah. way. That, yeah. that, that can be one reason. But again, you know, I don't want to speak for uh, the multinational mm -hmm. corporations and why they did it. And in case I, I do appreciate it, and I think it's a good leadership. Right. Well, it's good data for researchers like yourself who are now able to use that information, right, in more meaningful manners. But I do have to wonder, because in terms of the way that the data is presented, I mean, number one, is it presented in terms of the way that the data is collated, manipulated, right? There could be some challenges in terms of the consistency of the way data is presented by different corporations, right? And are we comparing apples to apples or has the company perhaps reclassified certain things in a way that helps present their information in a more favorable light? Do you think that there could be some of that happening behind the scenes? Surely, I cannot rule that out. And, you know, I share these concerns and, you know, I would not interpret them as arguments against this kind of data collection or sure. against publication of such data. So I do think that these and similar arguments are very good arguments for improvement of the data and for the way that we are disclosing the data. Right. And the data in and of itself, though, only tells a piece of that story, right? Which is why Action 13, clearly it's related to the country by country is just a quantitative piece. But I always also want to remind everybody that there's a qualitative aspect to what's happening here, right? The story of what's driving these data in this manner, the functional analysis, the value chain, and the, all of that is only understandable in the context of the transfer pricing documentation or the local file documentation and economic analysis, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what some of the companies that have decided to publish their data voluntarily are trying to do in their reports that, you know, they not only provide the tables as required by the regulation, but maybe sometimes they provide more detailed table and they do provide explanations. When the Shell country by country report was publicized, and I'm curious as to, you know, what your thoughts were about that. Did you go straight to say, oh, the amount of tax they paid on a global basis is relatively low in relation to their global revenue? Or were you more so on the side of, wow, this is a great move and feeling like they were a good corporate tax paying citizen? So it's been some while. So I don't remember the first time I heard about it, but kind of recalling what I might have thought about this is that, yes, this is great to lead by example in terms of transparency publishing the country by country reports but I, I you know it's probably i did not think much about their tax behavior you know it's it's hard to tell their tax behavior from a quick look at their uh, cbcr data but maybe you know what, what what i thought was that yay shell is a leader in transparency that's great because they also were so nice and financed my scholarship at the university of oxford <laughs> uh, 10 years ago so if, if they celebrate in this way, financing yep. my research and providing data for my research, then, you know, I should be happy about them. Yes, that, that's fantastic. So more so positive feedback. And you saw that that move was a very positive move, generally speaking. And then you weren't overly concerned that Shell perhaps was not a, a good global taxpaying citizen at this point, right? So Well, it's, it's hard to say from, yeah. from it. So, you know, kind of, I, I would say it's, it's neutral in that sense. 
You know, my first thought at that point, to be honest, right, when I saw that show came out with that publication, I thought, are they trying to get ahead of something, right, in anticipation that they're going to be challenged? So that was my first sort of thought process. And maybe that's just, you know, from where I'm coming from, right? So <laughs> I was like, hmm, are they just trying to control the flow of information and get ahead of it as opposed to worrying for the tax man to come knock on their door and say, actually, you're doing something wrong? Yeah, well, it, it could be. You know, I, I'm not an expert on Shell or its history, but yeah. I understand that when, when they do support students from Nigeria to study at the University of Oxford, you know, uh, it's, it's, they have their reasons to do so. So this might be a similar story. I don't know, but it's just, you know, it's just a quick thought. Yeah, of course. Now, the U.S. has been very active in its pursuit for, for public country-by-country country reports. I think in 2019 and 2020, the Senate and the House of Representatives, they passed matching legislation that allowed the SEC to mandate public CBCR access. And in March of 2020, the U.S. Congress wrote a letter to the OECD actually urging the organization to bolster country-by-country reporting requirements and encourage public disclosure, right? What do more countries, specifically the wealthier ones, get by having those reports being publicized? I think we focus a little bit on the benefits to low-income or really the challenges of low-income countries, Mm -hmm. right, in terms of their ability to use this information. But does this hurt wealthier nations? Or, or, I mean, clearly it must help, right? The U.S. is all for it as one of the wealthier nations Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. It would be country-specific information, right? And just mandating it on a company-by-company information. And then let's talk about what are the pros and cons of both of those, right? You know, if if a multinational were to have to publicize their country by country report like Shell, right, versus would it be better for that information just to become available on an aggregate basis, right, where we're sort of anonymized at that point? Yeah, yeah. I think what, what might be interesting is the range of publication that we have currently with regard to these reports. So... On the one hand, we have companies such as Shell that have decided to publish their own company-specific CBCR online for us to use and see. And so that's, you know, one extreme. Then, you know, somewhere in the middle, we have United States that publishes the data for all multinational corporations, two years of data for these multinational corporations. You know, this is great data that, you know, we've used in several research papers already, and we find the data generally to be of uh, high quality. But this is not what, this this middle way is, is not what most countries are doing. In fact, none of the other countries has done this in the world. So United States is so far alone in publishing their data for multinational corporations headquartered in their country on their website. What some countries decided to do, for example, India and several others, is to share this aggregate data with OECD. And OECD took this data, put it together with with the other countries that were willing to share this aggregate data, 
and publish this data again in aggregate anonymized way in July of the last year, 2020. And this is, you know, around 26 countries decided to share the data in this way. And for example, you know, India has not aggregated data beyond the country level, but mm -hmm. some other countries, such as, for example, Norway or Netherlands or Poland, has shared this data with OECD, but decided to aggregate the data much more. So, for example, for most countries, there, there will not be information for most tax havens. And then there are countries, such as my own country, Czechia, that decided not to share any data with the OECD for them to be able to share this data further with the public. So broad range of governments taking various approaches and strategies to making even the aggregate data public. So United States is doing well in transparency, at least relatively in contrast with other countries. And I hope if you know representatives of governments around the world will hear this, they will take the steps and will try to make their uh, data at least as accessible as the United States government does. So it's right. not so often that you can, uh, you know, praise U.S. government. So I'm taking this opportunity to do so. Oh, thank you very much. We appreciate that. <laughs> Note to multinational companies everywhere. If you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross border solutions ai powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate hyper localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits penalties and adjustments and our technology is available for one flat fee a fraction of what you'd pay a big name consultant again apologies big four stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions ai driven transfer pricing software it's no wonder we're the global leader in ai driven tax solutions there we go again i'm so sorry big you know what wait who am i kidding sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp you know having this data available will only help you because i know that you recently were able to use the existing country by country reporting data to illustrate profit shifting in your recent working paper titled profit shifting a multinational corporations worldwide can you tell us a little bit more about your findings based on this research Thank you. This is exciting research for me. It's a joint work with Javier Garcia Bernando. It's a part of a research project, uh, Corptex, that we are starting at Charles University in Prague. And it was also supported by Czech Science Foundation and International Center for Tech and Development. And we are using the data that we just talked about, the data that OECD published on behalf of willing uh, governments who have uh, shared the aggregate CBCR reports for uh, large multinational corporations. And we are using the data to learn about corporate tax avoidance. Specifically, we ask how much profits do multinational corporations shift to countries with low taxes, tax havens, and 
what's the scale of this problem worldwide? And you know, to, to, to sum it up, we, we find that there's more profit shifting and the government revenue losses are bigger than is shown by most previous estimates. We showed that in particular, the tax havens with extremely low effective tax rates, such as Luxembourg, Jersey, or the Cayman Islands are of importance. We also compare the multinational corporations according to the country in which they are headquartered. And we show that for the countries for which we have ever available data, multinational corporations headquartered in the United States are the most aggressive in profit shifting. In contrast, multinational corporations headquartered, for example, in South Africa or India are not so aggressive. And we also look at which countries lose uh, most relative to their total tax revenues. And there we show that low income and lower middle income countries are more hardly hit than other countries. The country by country reporting data by large multinational corporations are extremely useful in this uh, research because so far such data have not been available. And for example, their country coverage is exceptional. So for example, for the US uh, multinational corporations, there exists some good data sources, such as the US Government Bureau of Economic Analysis mm -hmm. uh, data source on foreign direct investment, but it has much smaller data coverage for countries in Africa. I think that there are three countries in the BEA data set, whereas in this new CBCR data set, there are 25 countries with information on affiliates of U.S. headquarter multinational corporations. So that's a substantial difference that we make use of in this research. So definitely better data, and it's more advantageous because of the expansive country coverage, right? Especially in those yes, lower-income countries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is one of the reasons, one of the advantages of the data. The other advantage is that we have the CBCR data are provided in two versions mm -hmm. for all affiliates of multinational corporations and profit-making affiliates. So the data set where the loss-making affiliates are excluded. And this is extremely useful if you are interested in effective tax rates paid by uh, those multinational uh, corporations. Because if you combine in one data set both profit-making and loss-making affiliates of multinational corporations, the loss-making will... It'll so skew, including, skew the results, yeah, right? Yeah, it yeah. will skew the results. So yes. if, if, you, if, if, you, if you include loss-making affiliates in the estimation of effective tax rates, that will overestimate these uh, effective tax rates. And right. these effective tax rates are important in our methodology where we, for the first time, introduce a logarithmic function in contrast with the previously used linear or quadratic functions to model the relationship between profits and tax rates. And then on the basis of this regression analysis, we estimate the scale of profit shifting and the distribution uh, of both the losses and the potential increases in tax revenues for countries worldwide. That's fantastic. And, and what do you want readers to take away from your recent working paper regarding the role of country by country reporting and how that plays into tax transparency? So in terms of implications of our paper for a global corporate tax reform, I think what, what we make clear in uh, that research paper is that postponements are costly for most countries worldwide and for low income countries in particular. So the losses are huge. And in case a global corporate tax reform that is able to 
effectively reduce these these losses, reduce profit shifting, then that might be really beneficial and for low-income countries in particular. We also show with our research that a unanimous support is unlikely among countries that are trying to agree the reform, if only because of the major players active in profit shifting. In interrupting one last time for our third and final CPE code word, that code word is shifting, as in the shifting tides of sands that rove over the desert plains. Okay, profit shifting. It's it's very much related to today's topic. So again, the third and final CPE code word is shifting. And back to our conversation. For example, you have United States. So yes, United States might be uh, leading the world now in sharing aggregate CBCR data, but uh, the research shows that our research shows that multinational corporations headquartered in the United States are the most aggressive. And you know, other countries, other major players in these policy debates are not necessarily coming out of this much better than the United States. So for example, you have the United Kingdom and its overseas territories and crown dependencies are some of the most important tax havens. So we estimate that the Cayman Islands is the largest corporate tax haven in mm-hmm. the world. But then you, you have also European Union as an important player in these global corporate tax reforms. But the Netherlands and Luxembourg are the EU member states. And at the same time, we estimate that they are uh, some of the most important corporate uh, tax havens. So the, these are some, some of the takeaways. I think, let me mention one final one. What, what is also important is that we show the importance of the global minimum tax rate. So some of the listeners might be following pillar one, pillar two discussions at OECD. And you know the, the discussion around it might, might seem very technical at, at times. Certainly for me, it does seem so. But what I want to highlight is the simple importance of what the global minimum tax rate will be. It's going to be very different to reform if the rate is going to be 10% or if it's going to be 20% or even 25% as we are proposing in a recent uh, paper with uh, you know a range of colleagues, including Sol Picciotto, where we are proposing an alternative uh, reform to the pillar two, where we are adjusting pillar two, and this proposal name is meter, a minimum effective tax rate proposal. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to be able to take a look at that. I am curious. You know, before the country by country report became available, this this type of information was there any other type of data that was available to help demonstrate profit shifting? What would you have relied on before? Yeah, that's that's uh, an excellent question. And, you know, if uh, you look at my research or, you know, other active researchers in this area, I've used various data sets over the past uh, 12 years that I'm engaged actively in the research on this topic. And there's a variety of uh, data sets, starting with some data sets that are similar to the CBCR data. So that there will be the private company databases such as Bureau Fundix Orbis or Compustat. So these databases provide company level information, uh, balance sheet information about specific uh, companies, but you know they have their own drawbacks, including data quality issues and country coverage uh, biases. Then you, you have data on a foreign direct investment, 
where you know there are international organizations such as UNCTAD and IMF or OECD that are publishing data for many countries, or you have the U.S. Uh, government Bureau of Economic Analysis that publish you know relatively high quality but aggregate data, and they will, for example, not distinguish between loss making and profit making companies, as we just discussed, as right. you know, which is very useful technical detail, but extremely useful for us in the CBCR data sets. And then, of course, you, you have data on government revenues from uh, corporate income taxes, and that's been also used by IMF economists as well as by us to estimate the losses from profit shifting of multinational corporations. So there's a variety of uh, data sets, and you know, we compare all of these data sets for U.S. multinational corporations in a paper with uh, Javier Garcia Bernando and Thomas uh, Torslow. And this paper has been recently published in Economic Journal, International Tax and Public Finance. And, you know, we take their one data set at a time and we consider what are its strengths, what are its weaknesses. And the CBCR data have their advantages. They also have some disadvantages, but overall, we favor them for questions uh, related to multinational corporations' activities in uh, tax havens and more generally to their profit shifting and corporate tax avoidance. Sure. The only problem is right now the data set is still limited because I think the CBCR reporting requirement threshold is is around 750 million euros, right? That's right. On a global basis. Now, there is discussion to lower that threshold amount to a different amount. What do you think would be an appropriate threshold? Uh, What do you think would be the benefit of lowering that threshold? I mean, clearly, besides you know, the availability of more data, but clearly it's going to capture a wider net of multinationals, right? Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, there's uh, more analysis needed to, you know, decide where the threshold should be. And, you know, I understand that most of the costs that were feared, you know, did not materialize. From what I hear, it does not seem that it would be very costly for the multinational corporations themselves to prepare these country-by-country reports. So, I think it's a, it might be a good step to lower this threshold. What, what I found very, very interesting is that this threshold, which, you know, uh, I understand there was at the beginning, but it's now being recycled in other situations, such as when we are talking to which multinational corporations the discussed the global tax reforms should apply to. And that's, you know, where it's becoming even more important and interesting to discuss where the threshold should be. So we should stop and pause and think about which multinational corporations this potential new reform would apply to. And we should not necessarily start with the one that we used for a reporting exercise. Right, right. Well, I, I will tell you, you know, from from my side and my viewpoint, the cost of multinationals that they had to incur to try to establish the processes to report the information in the country by country reporting format was pretty mm-hmm. significant. So if the threshold does lower and and more multinationals are going to be caught in that web, it's not cheap for 
the administration mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there definitely is a yeah. cost to the taxpayers, but but clearly a, a benefit on cost a global to the, basis. Yeah, taxpayer. Yeah, yeah. This is important, and you know, I, I don't want to express strong opinions. You know, where, where the threshold uh, should be, and I do think, uh, you know, as, as I said in the, in the first answer to that question, you know, that you know more more analysis is required, and and I don't want I don't want to you know. I understand that there are costs involved in preparing the country by country report, but also there seems to be benefits to the coffers, to government revenues. So there are already research papers saying that, you know, those companies that are just above the threshold seem to be paying higher taxes after this CBCR requirement than those that are just below. And so in theory, these companies are comparable, but you know, we see the effect of CBCR, even though it's not made public for the specific company. Hmm. So Peter, do you think country-by-country country reports are doing what they were set out to do? Something, this is a very good question, but probably not for the right person. So you know, the original objective of these country-by-country country reports was not uh, to be used by me as an academic researcher, but rather by tax authorities. And, you know, I've not discussed this sufficiently with sufficient range of tax authorities to hear, you know, whether that objective of using these reports for transfer pricing analysis and other risk assessment has been successful. But for, you know, so I hope, you know, that they, they are making good use of these reports. What I'm even more, more certain about is, but it was not the original objective of these reports, is that it, it is extremely useful for us as researchers who are trying to inform the public about taxation of multinational corporations. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. Thank you so much for being with us today, Peter. This was such an insightful discussion. But before we close, we have time for my favorite part of the show, a rapid fire round of questions we call what we want to know. But always question one is, are you ready? Yes. (laughs) What have you learned from your students during the pandemic? Not much would be the pessimistic answer. And, you know, I've been learning from my students, you know, all those 12 years that I've been teaching and I'm feeling that, you know, the fact that uh, we are teaching online, et cetera, it's taking its toll in terms of the amount of learning I can do from, from my students. So, but, but it's been, you know, incredibly experience observing ma- many of the students, undergraduate, graduate and PhD students, how, you know, how much effort they, they are putting into, you know, working hard on their studies. So it's good to observe them. Of course. What is your favorite way to relieve stress? 
So that will be either children or running. And, you know, it might be both at the same time. So running with my almost half a year old son in a pram, that's, you know, something I'm looking forward to later this year. How has the landscape of transfer pricing changed over your academic career, do you feel? So, you know, in terms of the research environment, it seems that many more people are devoting themselves to similar topics that I'm studying, and it has moved much closer uh, to the mainstream. And, you know, it's partly because, you know, many more people are working on it, but also, you know, the, the quality likely increase. And so you have economists publishing in the, the best journals in the field on tax havens, on profit shifting, on corporate tax havens. And this is a, a question I'm very interested in. What is a must-try dish in the Czech Republic? <laughs> if you come, you will certainly have a beer, most likely Pilsner. And for our last question, what do you hope your students learn from you? I think what, what I'm trying to learn myself is kindness, to be kind to each other. And so, you know, if, if I'm ambitious enough, you know, then I'd like to say, you know, I would like my students to learn that from me too. So to be kind to other people, uh, that yes, would be yes. a great achievement if it's possible at all. And in, in to approach the subject, perhaps from, from that light, 100%. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us on today's program. We also want to thank everyone at home for tuning in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There you can find our short form transfer pricing in the news podcast. That's the Fiona show hot off the press. We also have a brand new podcast, Fiona's R&D tax credit podcast. If you've ever been curious about whether or not you're leaving money on the table by not acting on an R&D tax credit, wherever you have operations, let me tell you, really great program. I have no biases here because I just listen to it recreationally. My name is Matthew DeMello and they let me host and do part of the engineering of today's show. Most of the engineering, though, was conducted by Andrew O'Donnell. Christy Clements is our associate producer. Marilyn Mitchum-Strom is our executive producer. As we always love to leave our listeners with well wishes in these strange times, stay safe, wear a mask, and hopefully we'll see each other very soon. Until next week, everybody, 